0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I am so happy and thrilled to have you back again for another episode. We've got such another amazing person today, a Jonathan McLernan. How are you, Jonathan?
1: I'm doing fantastic. You know, it's uh, we've, had, we've had a great chat um, prior to recording, so I know this is going to be a good episode.
0: Oh, I know. I just love meeting new people. And I can tell, I always say this on the podcast, but I can tell... Just in those first few minutes, when you connect with somebody, you know, and you can tell their heart through the screen, it's amazing. So it is. I can't wait to tell you guys some more about Jonathan. So Coach John is a husband. He's a father. He's a podcaster, coach, and mentor. Through his work, he strives to be a force for positive change in the world, one person at a time. He spent most of his life running from his true calling until one question changed his life. Now, as you guys all know, the Giving Starts With You podcast is um, about helping one another end loneliness through storytelling. So I love it when my guests come on and they're brave enough to share their stories and their transformation, because I know it helps the people that are listening. And that's what the show's all about. Um, the other thing that the giving, st- giving Starts With You podcast is about is how we can give to ourselves through these hard times that we all have so that we can get through our healing journey and help each other. Because honestly, I think there's just too many people who are suffering alone. And I hate that. I've I've been there and it just sucks. So today we're going to speak about a couple of different things. We're going to speak about overcoming anxiety, managing yeah. trauma around emotional eating, And he's also a globetrotter nomad. So, of course, we have to, you know, end this conversation on a high note and talk a little bit about travel. Are you in, Jonathan? I'm 100% in. Awesome. Awesome. So you're in Alberta, fellow Canadian.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So for those who might be south of the border, I am north of Montana and just east of the Rocky Mountains. So it's a really, really gorgeous part of the world.
0: Oh, that's amazing! And I was telling you, I'm from Barrie, Ontario, and uh, you know the exact area. It was so funny. It's yeah. World, right?
1: <laughs> well, it's when you tell people we're from Canada, like it's like, oh, you, you know, there's still still a bit of a joke, you know, so and so, you know, it's um, it, it's a big, big, big country with not a lot of people in it, and so it's just you know. But for those who are Canadian, you know, on the five dollar bill, uh, yes. Lake Moraine. Um, well, that's only a couple of hours from where I live, and so I've got to go there a few times in the not busy season. And it's as beautiful or, or more beautiful than, you know, the picture on the, on the bill. So,
0: oh, that's beautiful. And no, he's not, his background is not Alberta. Okay. So yeah. Alberta is, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. I know you're so busy. You've got four podcasts that you host, mm-hmm. you have a business, you have all of these things going on and yet you're still here. So I appreciate your time.
1: Well, I appreciate you as well. So I know you're very busy too. So it's, (laughs) you know, but I I always have time for podcasting.
0: Yeah, I love it. Don't you? Like, I just it just makes my heart like so happy. I I love connecting with people. You know,
1: I I started one and I ended up with four. I'm not sure how that happened. (laughs) There's like so so many people I want to talk to. So
0: yes, yes. Well, I'm glad you're here. But let's yeah. So how does your story begin? Where. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what your, what your challenge was. Cause I know you've overcome some things. So let's talk about it.
1: Well, my, my, my first challenge actually came at birth. Um, so I was born at 26 weeks old. Um, I was born at home and not expected to live. Um, but my dad had the presence of mind to do CPR and with his pinky finger and unplug my nose with a syringe. And when they transported me to the local hospital, um, the local hospital didn't have an incubator waiting for me because I thought I'd be dead by the time, uh, they got there. But uh, thankfully I wasn't, as you can tell by my being here today. Yes. Thank goodness. Yeah. So that was, that was a bit of an illustrious start. So I spent the first nine weeks of my life on, on life support in a NICU, um, you know, back in 1982, that's quite a, that's quite a time to be born at 26 weeks. You know, nowadays, I think with you know, massive advances in medical technology and whatnot, they can even 21 week olds can survive. It's really quite impressive. But, um, and I don't think I was born with too many deficits, thankfully. Um, other than maybe a few with regards to coordination and movement, I'm a little bit awkward and clumsy, but, uh, uh I'm, I'm okay with that. And so, uh, really the first, I would say the first 18 years of life were relatively uneventful because I grew up in small town, Canada, I got into trouble the way that kids do in small towns, but it was nothing too exciting. The next 20 years got a little bit more interesting. So I've just ticked over 40, um, the, you know. I, I joined the Navy after a couple of years in university because I was kind of bored of university. I was like, uh, I did nanotechnology and chemistry and whatnot. And then I uh, decided not to do my PhD and decided to join the Navy and become a Marine engineer instead. Along the way, I met a girl from Australia who uh, is now my wife of 16 years. So Congrats. I, we've been together for a little while now. Um, but one of the, one of the um, times I came back from a tour in the Navy, I was, I was just tired of being gone all the time. And, uh, you know, my wife has come halfway around the world to, to be my, you know, to be my wife and to be my life partner. And I was gone all the time on ships. And so I came home one day and said, well, why don't we just, uh, why don't we just go teach English somewhere? And I was kind of half joking and she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm not sure how we're going to do this, but within about three months, we were on a plane from, uh, Victoria, British Columbia to, uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And, uh, from there we went inland to Guadalajara and started teaching there. And that was, that was, you know, we'd done some traveling before that. um, But this is the first time that we were going on an extended tour. We thought we might go for like six months, um, but ultimately ended up um, turning to like three years of just um, being sort of globe-trotting nomads. And, uh, but it was along the way that um, when I was living in South Africa, when we were living in South Africa, they went through a trauma down there where I was attacked and, and nearly beaten to death and wasn't really prepared, obviously, to go through something like that emotionally, mentally, And the follow-up from that was I I coped with my trauma through eating and uh, binge eating. And so I gained a significant amount of weight in a very short window of time. It was actually quite shocking how much weight I could gain in a a short window of time. And thus began kind of the the real struggle. You know, trauma is a a challenging thing because it leaves a mark on the brain in a way that uh, unless you've been through trauma, it's really hard to fully grasp. And it doesn't make sort of logical sense in, in a way. So, um, once I'd gained all this weight then I was like, what's happened to me? I used to be an athlete and now I'm obese and, uh, I, I don't feel like myself. And, and I, I'd really fell into a pattern of like self-loathing and kind of self-destructive behavior. It was almost like I was trying to hate my way into a healthier body mm. and it was just never going to work. So, um, that went on for probably six or seven years. And then I ended up hiring a coach and, and this is where gets the, the question that he asked me. And, uh, you know, I was determined to show this guy that he was not going to be able to help me. I was, I was going to prove that I was unhelpable, I was unfixable. I was totally broken beyond repair. Um, that was it. And I was, you know, I was going to prove that, you know, but I was hiring him just to sort of, I don't know, cause I say like, well, at least I tried kind mm. of thing. Cause I'd lost a bit of weight and I'd gain it back. I'd lose some weight. I'd gain it back. And it just, it was just this endless sort of cycle of pain and frustration and, and anguish. So at one point, um, You know, he sat down with me and he said, uh, I want to ask you a question. He said, if you make a list of all the things you love and value, how far down that list do I go before I find your name? Oh, wow. Yeah. So when he asked that question, I, I kind of didn't really have anything to say because I wasn't on the list. So it wasn't that I was like, you know, somewhere near the bottom. It was, I was not on the list. And I was and 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 I was having this kind of this moment of realization, like I, I'm I'm not on the list of things I love and value, and it never really had occurred to me that I was even allowed to be on this list of things that I love and value. It it seemed like a foreign concept to me, and so it kind of started the wheels turning into figuring, oh, like what is what is this that he's talking about? Like what is self love? My idea of self love was like I don't know you know, bubble baths and champagne and chocolate. And I made, I do know, maybe Bridget Jones diary or something, you know, like I really had kind of a, a, a mixed up, uh, mixed up idea of what self-love looked like. And so now I've got to go on this journey and try and figure out, well, how do I l- learn self-love as a 30 something year old male who's never like talked about it before. And so that sort of, that sort of uh, kicked off this journey of, of really of, of discovery and and has formed the foundation of the work that I do now. Wow,
0: There's okay, so much much there. quite a bit. <laughs> There's so much there I want to talk about.
1: Yeah, that was the overview.
0: <laughs> How scary that must have been for you to be attacked, first of all. Mm, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, it felt a bit like a movie. Yeah. Um, it's like you're outside of your body. Like sometimes when I hear, sto- you know, people tell me stories like this and, you know, like, for example, I spoke with, with a woman once who was talking about being raped and how she ate, emotionally ate herself into this weight that she wanted to be invisible. So it's almost like, I want to make myself so ugly that people won't notice me and I won't get raped again. Mm-hmm, so when you mm-hmm. were telling me this story about you know, beating up to this point And then, you know, that you gained all this weight, like so fast. I'm like, of course you did. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, yeah. why did you, it's like, yeah, like something's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, so, I'm, I'm grateful I didn't turn to drugs and alcohol.
0: Yeah. Cause something's got to give, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like you, you almost tried to, I don't have the same experience that you have, so I cannot speak for, you know, And Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, but I'm just thinking of my own experiences. And I'm like, something's got like, something's got to implode, you know, because it's just you're you're trying to escape what happened. You're trying to understand it. You're trying to uh, forget about it and take something in control where you didn't have control in that moment. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's possible to empathize without having uh, an identical experience really, because Mm -hmm. there's common elements in the human experience and, and uh, yeah, the hardest part about mental health struggles is that we can't really turn your brain off. You know, when someone gets physically injured, you can maybe give them a painkiller and uh, sort of treat the injury, but to treat a brain injury or a brain dysfunction is really, really difficult. And we've come a very, very long way in terms of maybe the stigma surrounding it, but it's still incredibly difficult. And I, you know, when I started developing like panic episodes and and anxiety, I really didn't know what was happening and I didn't know how to escape it either because it's all happening in my head. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so that's a really, really tough place to be.
0: Jonathan, I don't know if you, if you had the same experience or not, but um, so with me, you know how you're saying you can't shut it off. I forced myself to shut off my feelings mm-hmm. and it it created this cycle of like PTSD and, and high depression and all these things. So I totally agree with you. It is not healthy to try to shut things down because I can tell you 12 years, it was that was my life. Mm. And the thing is, when you have something happen like that to you, like you did, it's almost like you become hyper. Like your brain is working double instead of slowing down. Right. Yeah, Cause like yeah. you feel every single thing, tenfold what a normal person would feel. Yeah. Not that we're not normal, but you know,
1: what, what, what would be considered like a normal experience, normal lived right. experience? You know, everything is, everything is heightened and I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Food was a way of numbing. Mm. You know, I, I, I would eat until I was so full that all I could feel was that I was full. And, and it was un unco- like v- uncomfortably full like a compulsion to eat and eat and eat and but when i was that full all i could think about was how uncomfortable i was and it was it was such a physically pressing thing inside of me that i i had i couldn't really focus on the anxiety in that moment and so it was it was a tool it was a coping mechanism it wasn't a great tool but it mm-hmm. it sort of worked um the interesting thing is I say anxiety kind of helped actually to break the binge eating because I began to, to start to have panic episodes around not being able to breathe if I ate too much food. Okay. And so I really started to become scared of feeling too full and, and it was, it was almost like a case of, I would rather I would rather forego some of my eating than to get to the place where I'm so full that I feel like I can't breathe. And I trigger a panic episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Quite a place to be.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time because as you're speaking, things are coming back to me. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you can't, you know, just because you don't have the exact same story. Um, I too would get into panic attacks because of my breathing, although that wasn't my problem. Mm. So, the mm. fact that you're saying that, like, it does trigger other things. Like, I would feel like I would be choking, like somebody was behind me, constantly be turning around, be like, stop touching, and there's nobody there. And so, I felt like I couldn't swallow for like a year, like, I couldn't, oh, yeah. And so, these things they do so. You know, you had a little bit of a laugh there at the end, and I'm like, "No, buddy, I get it. Like, I understand. Like, what you're saying. I can feel what you're saying. You yeah, know?
1: Yeah. That's so tough. Yeah. Uh, it's now the one thing I would say is I wouldn't take my difficult experiences out of my past, even if I had the option to. And I, it's it's not because I want them. It's not because I want to go through them again. But I wouldn't be where I'm at doing what I'm doing now had I not gone through these experiences and had to go through these really, really difficult years of kind of like looking for answers and, and not finding them for many years and not like not even knowing where to go for help or what to ask for help. And I think this is one of the, the hardest parts is one, how do you ask for help and, and how do you ask for help when you don't even know what you need help with? And so a lot of people, I think just ended up feeling lost. And I was in that boat. Like, I, so for me, I tried to focus on weight loss. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I won't hate myself if I lose weight. And, uh, okay. ultimately what it boiled down to is it didn't like, I even at one point was able to diet down to sort of visible ab definition. It took a lot of sort of white knuckling and gritting my teeth and, and, and whatnot, but it, it was not sustainable. I burned myself out trying to do that. And frankly, nobody cared that I had visible ab definition. Nobody cared you know, it didn't, my life was not different because I had a little bit of a four pack going on, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, So I just have a question. So mm. you're finding yourself with this weight gain, right? Just trying Mm. to make sure I understand what you're saying. And then you started to have these anxiety attacks and panic Mm. attacks because of the breathing part. How, when you had those and you weren't quite ready to make the change and, and try to lose the weight how did you cope with that how did you cope with having those panic attacks and like they're scary when you're in the yeah
1: moment. well I, I read a really helpful ebook by a gentleman who goes by the name of duff the psych okay um and it's f anxiety you can you yeah. can Okay. Fill in the letters. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. and, and and so it's, it's obviously written in, in colorful language, but understandable language that kind of explains what's happening in your brain in and around anxiety. And the biggest sort of takeaway in the beginning is that, like, a panic episode can't actually hurt you. Like, it feels incredibly uncomfortable, but it can't hurt you. And so just beginning to realize that was like, okay, so it sucks, but I'm not really, dying. but I'm not actually going to die. Yeah the, there is no recorded incidents as far as i know in any medical history of someone dying because of a panic episode it's it's just this immensely like overwhelmingly uncomfortable feeling but it can't even be sustained forever like it can only go for so long before your body is exhausted and, and 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 that's where the depression would come in it's It's kind of like redlining your nervous system for a period of time, and the body can't redline it anymore. And now it has to go into a state of of depression. I've heard it called deep rest, which I kind of like that almost, um, to come it's like burning a month worth of energy in a week. and then and then you have to fall into a state of depression to recover from having burned so much energy through being kind of this manic
0: type phase. I love the way you explain that, like because it really makes sense. It's like, yeah, it's like your your body wanting it's your reaction, right? Like your body wanting to like comatose after all that adrenaline. <laughs> yeah.
1: True. So true. It's so but, true. And then, then to try to explain. The depression that I felt because maybe it didn't fall into the cl- clinical category, and and you know it's like funny. I, I look back, and I'm like, I should. There's why would I ever have judged my experience? Well, that that's not bad depression, you know. But there's other and so on. You know, it's funny that our brains have this way of doing We're this. The and, worst
0: ones to do that because we can't yeah. it like legit <laughs> like we can Yeah,
1: this is you know, and and of course maybe not wanting to acknowledge that I was battling with this, but the way I, the way I view it was really like my nervous system going into a state, and it would just it would feel like this black cloud would descend over my head. And I, I would close my eyes and would feel like I was just kind of staring into a black void. And um it was really difficult to feel anything except like I had a bottomless hole in my stomach, basically, mm. and and blackness when I would close my eyes. And it was a, you know, again, a really, really tough place to be. Now I did a little bit of, shall we say, unconventional therapy um with a, a chiropractor who's kind of more of a neurologist than a chiropractor, I guess um here in in red deer the city that i live in and and according to canadian law he's not allowed to use that title even though he has like the education but it's not recognized in canada so he went down to the u.s got the education but couldn't use the qualifications in canada officially go figure anyways nonetheless he was like let's figure out what's happening in your brain and he was able to explain a lot of what was happening in my brain so piecing together sort of from what i'd read from the the book by duff the psych on anxiety and what he was explaining i started to feel like okay this is still a problem but it's starting to feel like something that may not be like my crushing destiny for the rest of my life it's going to it's going to be something that i can begin to manage and so yeah it's hard to describe like what he did because he figured out the parts of my brain that were kind of under functioning through a whole series of of complex testing and there's a whole backstory as to why he even went into this realm you know, of, of sort of this neurology and it was because of his wife and daughter having an autoimmune condition where their brain was attacked by a, a a virus. And so his understanding of the brain is just next level anyways, but just the
0: moment that you, you figured out and that you heard that message that this is not going to be the end of me. Mm-hmm. It's, it gives you hope, right? It gives you yeah. like a chance that, Oh my God, it doesn't have to be like this forever. Like there's something I can do maybe, you know?
1: Yeah. That's, that's it. This, because I think what really drives people to extremes is this fear that this is, this is the rest of my life. And I don't want to live the rest of my life like this because I don't see another way out.
0: Yeah. It's a hard place to be. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you go from that to, okay, I need to stop having these panic attacks. So I need to lose weight so I can breathe. Right. This is how this (laughs) has a few, yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? Like it well and
1: it i think it's a really good question i'll kind of explain a little bit of my story but i want to put a little caveat in there and that's that i think there's principles that we can take from my story and others can apply but there's not really a template and because people will hear okay i've lost 100 pounds maybe i can you know do the things that you did and it's like well there's principles that you could probably follow but i think your journey would look different than my journey and so to try to copy another person's journey with your unique life circumstances you know I mean, that, that forms the whole diet industry. That's a whole other diatribe though. <laughs> so, um, but really, um, so it started with self-compassion at learning compassion. So it started with this coach who, who modeled for me what compassion is and what it looks like. So I began to show myself compassion. And as I started showing myself that I started like feeling my feelings instead of trying to bury them it, it, because I, I realized, okay, these feelings are uncomfortable, but again, they can't actually hurt me. they they just feel really, really, really uncomfortable. But when I, when I, there was some sort of security that I felt knowing that like a panic episode really sucks, but it can't actually hurt me, you know, uh, depression really, really sucks, but it can't, it can't actually hurt me. And so somehow just that picture in my mind meant, okay, it's safe to start feeling the feelings instead of just trying to numb them with food. And, and I would kind of do it maybe, I guess, in incremental fashion and, started to practice self-love, which probably doesn't look like people might expect. It was really started with brushing my teeth. So we, we probably don't think a lot about brushing our teeth, but it's an act of self-care. It's, and so every time I would do that, it was like I was acknowledging that I was worthy of self-care and reinforcing or changing a belief in my head that I wasn't worthy of this these things. And so as I started to heal my relationship with myself, there was less dependence on food to mask and bury uncomfortable emotions.
0: Yeah. And
1: so it's kind of, there's still been plenty of ups and downs. I mean, I lost all my life savings and a failed business a few years after that. So um, that was a whole nother kind of storm to go through, but it was kind of, so it was kind of this process of just, and it's still really in a sense of work in progress. Like, you know, I, I don't think the work is ever really done, but it's it's not, not until the day we we're laid to rest, really. Um, we're just on this journey. But I look back now and, and the person that I was even five years ago, I almost don't recognize that's how much change has taken place. And if you'd have told me five years ago that I could be where I am now, that it was possible, I would not have believed it because I, I could not see it as possible because I'd not lived that experience.
0: And it all started with you putting yourself on that list. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Putting myself on the list, practicing self-compassion, allowing myself to feel feelings Getting some real help with my anxiety, stop feeling ashamed of it and actually tell people that this is something that I I struggled with. And in telling them, I said, you don't have to try to fix me or even help me. But if you want to sit beside me, you can That's all you have to do is just sit there and be there with me. Like you don't have to do anything else because so often when we're experiencing uncomfortable emotions and difficult experiences, other people try to shut it down because they're uncomfortable and don't know what to do. And so I would tell people it's okay. You don't have to do anything, you know? But it brings up uncomfortable emotions that they're not used to dealing with and processing. And so the natural instinctive response is, like I said, to, to try to shut it down. Yeah, oh, it that's makes nothing. So
0: sense. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, they're actually doing you a disservice.
1: Oh, you very much so. Yeah.
0: Not shut it down.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. The worst thing you could say to somebody is, oh, that's nothing. That's the most insensitive thing to say. And it, maybe it isn't even said with malice. It's almost said with good intent. I, I would like to diminish your pain by telling you it's not a big deal. Well, right now, what it feels in my head and my body, it is a big deal, actually.
0: Yeah. And it, like you said, it doesn't come from a bad place. It just comes from not ever perhaps experiencing that yourself. So you don't know, you know, mm-hmm. but I would almost rather somebody say the wrong thing than not say anything. True. True. You know, that happened too, where it's kind of like, you know, you're being indifferent that even makes me feel less loved, you know, like,
1: yeah, I think I think indifference is different than comfortable silence.
0: mm, Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, if you're listening to this, and you're listening to John's story, you know, you have to reach out to people. I'm sure it wasn't comfortable Mm -hmm. for him. It wasn't comfortable for me you're like, people are going to think I'm crazy. I'm ashamed of this. Why is this happening to me? Why can't I just deal with stuff like everybody else? And it's like, you have to, you have to reach out to someone, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. if that person's not the right person, then get rid of them and find somebody else. But this is about you, you know, you get one, one life and you don't want to suffer. Like, honestly, there are, there are things that people can do. Just got to put it out there.
1: Well, a phrase that I use a lot, especially in my work around sort of nutrition coaching is you you can't read the label when you live inside the bottle. Mm, I love it. Right. And so there's insight that a qualified, compassionate professional can give you that you really can't see in yourself because it's not been your lived experience. And so the reason I guess I'm able to help the people that I work with in the way that I do Not because I have identical experience to them, but it's because, because I have enough similar, similar life experience and struggles that I go, ah, I can see that now. And I've helped, you know, hundreds of people. And, and so I can spot and it's like, we can't see, we have emotional blind spots. So we really can't see. Mm. And it's not that I'm the star of their show, but I, I, I use the analogy like, Hey, a goaltender has a goaltending coach. Probably the best goaltender in the NHL has a goaltending coach who's probably not as good a goalie. Because if he was as good a goalie, he'd be the one on the ice being a goaltender, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, that's so true. That's- but
1: you know, uh, some of the best coaches in the NHL were not great players. Um, but it's the ability to to see things, and and so it doesn't diminish you as a person if you hire a coach to help you it doesn't take away from your skills and abilities. It's actually refining and nurturing and growing and developing these skills and helping you become the best. So that's why I call myself a coach. I mean, technically, I guess I'm a nutritionist, but really I say a coach and I don't say life coach. I've been told, you know, you should call yourself that. And I'm like, I kind of hesitate, you know, partly because the, the industry, I feel like has kind of been hijacked um, by, by unscrupulous people over time. And it sounds a little bit pretentious because I'm like, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I'm more like a tour guide. You know, and I'll often say to people, I think of me as a tour guide. I'm not a Sherpa.
0: <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I lo- and, you know, I so respect people like you because here you have this thing that took over your life for a while. And now you've decided to dedicate this part of your life to helping people in the same position. Mm-hmm. And I find that so admirable, you know, because I think the people that can be helped the most are people who are hiring people like you that have been through it. Yeah. Um, you know, you can only learn so much in a book, right? So <laughs> I, I really feel people can connect with you. you you're amazing. You
1: know, it's so funny because four years ago, after my, I had a supplement store, nutrition and supplement store, and that's when it failed. It was four years ago, a little over four years ago. And I decided, okay, I'm going to build this business on nutrition, around nutrition coaching. And I want to build a business that people can't take away from me, you know? And so it's going to be mine. And uh, I was so terrified to tell the truth of my story and my struggles, because I'm like, what are people going to think? I don't look like a fitness model. You're not going to see me flexing my abs on Instagram or putting on Gymshark pants and squeezing my glutes together for the perfect shot. Like, just you don't want to see that. So I was like, how am I going to connect with people? I know I can help them. But this is what I'm up against is people posting pictures. They're really, you know, a physically attractive human beings with nice physiques and, and presenting that as desirable. How on earth do I compete with that? And thankfully I came to the re- realization that I don't have to.
0: No. You
1: know, <laughs> I love that's, it. that's the best part of it. It's like, I don't have to. And, and people hire me because they're like, Oh, you'll get it. You yeah. will actually understand it. Cause you, you're like a real human, <laughs> you
0: know? Yes. And, your story can ignite all this, you know, I don't know, this fire in people, right? Like, no, oh my God, yeah. he did it. I can do it. He gets me. He's not perfect. It's okay. Yeah.
1: There's such power in stories. I, 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 I mean, my podcast is called Between the Before and After.
0: I love the name.
1: And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's about, so it's like social media shows, us say, a before and after photo, but it doesn't tell the story. And, and it sort of conditions us to think, well, I want that result without having to go on the journey, but I'm like, oh, the journey, man. You know, like I said, I wouldn't take my past experiences away. The journey, if we can realize there's so much gold in the journey, even as hard as it is. And even as much as we wish we wouldn't go through these experiences, like I have never met a remarkable person who had an easy life. Yes. Yes. But stories, stories. So, so I, what I discovered when I shared my story was that people connected with me. didn't want to learn about carrots and night vision (laughs) that didn't mean anything to them right they they wanted to know human stories and so we, we we look at other people's stories and we read ourselves into them and then we look okay i see myself or i see elements of myself in this story meaning that okay I can maybe do this because this person with these similar characteristics to me has been able to do this. And so I think that what, what you do in terms of sharing people's stories is so important because we read that story or, or we listen to that story and we, and we read ourselves into it and go, okay, it is possible for me because I now know someone who's done that. And now I've heard their story, heard them speak. And, and you know, so I think it's amazing.
0: Oh, I love doing this. Job. Like it's not even a job, like, it's not work. It's just, you know, like, like you said the journey has there's got it's got to be hard for it to to know that you're going to break through if it's not hard you're perhaps not being honest about it like I don't you know it's not till you get right to the hard hard, the hardest part that you start to come out the other side and if you don't go through that there's no real healing journey it's just a journey like it's just one that may never end Mm, you know I just yeah. yeah it's so hard but I love that we have these types of conversations, even on your show, you have these types of conversations where it's just, I think people on the other side, hopefully that's the goal is that they're Mm -hmm. going to be like, yeah, you know, maybe my story isn't quite like this person and that's okay. But, you know, this part about the anxiety or this part about being attacked or this part of, you know, just feeling down and feeling that I'm not on the list. When you said that, I was like, Wow, when did I start becoming on my list?
1: Yeah, yeah. You no,
0: know, it wasn't until like three years ago, and mm. I'm fifty. Okay. and that's a long time to not be on your damn list, you know?
1: No kidding. By but- the way, I don't I'm like, you said you're fifty, and then like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like you could have convinced me that you're you're quite a bit younger uh, actually, successfully.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just turned fifty in June and but you know, I embrace it. I'm like, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. But I feel no, you're like, very,
1: you're very useful in terms of your energy. Oh,
0: thank you so much. I appreciate <laughs> that. You know? Okay. So I'm pretty introverted. Not when I come on here. Yeah. Yeah when I love what I'm talking about, I just, I can't hide, you know, I just love what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. like I love talking about things that mean something. I'm not like talk about the weather. I can't do parties and I can't do, I just, I, it's just not me. I I can't do the fake thing. I did it for so long. And I just, I think maybe that's why, because maybe when we're done, I'm kind of like, okay, I need a coffee. It's been a long day, but while we're (laughs) here, just honest, that's me. A lot of the time I run low on energy and except when I'm, you know, meeting people like you and just connecting through stories that make us feel real and mm-hmm. make us feel human. You know, and that's why I do what I do is yeah. because you know, giving back and sharing stories is is what keeps me alive every day. And well, I think, yeah,
1: you know, being introverted is very often misunderstood. It's not that you don't like social interactions necessarily, but there's maybe a limited amount of energy that you have for that. My wife is more extroverted than I am as well you know yeah. she's like the kind of the life of the party the performer she's into theater and improv and all of this and that's not my thing you know but <laughs> podcasting and meaningful connections with people that's really my thing i love it
0: yeah i love that too you know i love music and I, mm. i'm a songwriter and a bit a little bit of a musician and stuff and and but oh my god if you think i'm going to get up there and do anything for anybody i'm going to have like a heart attack first i'll have anxiety first all of these things yeah. But then when you do something outside of your comfort zone as an introvert, and I actually like the odd time will step out of that and do it. Man, I feel so proud of myself, you know, and I would never have said that three, four years ago. I'd be like, oh, that's so conceited. And now it's Mm. like I tell the listeners all the time thinking of yourself and talking about yourself to me it's not selfish it's brave and yeah. for a long time i felt that it was selfish because i grew up that way i grew yeah. up taking care of everybody else but when you take care of yourself uh-uh, it makes you look like you think you're better than everybody yeah. and it's so not that and yeah. for so long i put all my stuff aside and i ended up with so many problems <laughs> you know yes.
1: Uh, yeah the classic set yourself on fire to keep others warm that was yes. like my it's it's you know and here's the truth is it's easier to help other people than it is to help ourselves and it's almost a way of procrastinating and not facing our stuff you know is to for me it says there's there's a, there's got to be a turn of phrase in there um stuffing my face instead of facing my stuff there we go <laughs> wow that's
0: so good. i
1: hadn't heard that before wow um right it's it's so it's easier to help other people because I was successfully coaching people even when I was like two hundred and ninety pounds three hundred pounds and and I felt like a total fraud but the the fact is i'm actually a really good coach i it's it's like I'm a born coach and I couldn't have told you that five years ago i would have been I would have felt like I wanted the floor to swallow me up for me to utter those words, mm-hmm. but i'm actually a world class coach and I, over time i've actually i've come to learn that and I've connected with and worked with world class coaches, even coached them and I go oh oh and it's okay to be that because I think every one of us has gifts and talents and abilities and me recognizing and trying and and using these gifts and talents and abilities I have doesn't diminish anybody else's gifts.
0: Mm. Yeah. Just, just hearing you talk today and how well you're like able to explain yourself. It just, yeah, I think you're amazing. I honestly do. I think anybody would be lucky to to have you in their corner. I'm so Mm. glad that the things that happened to you, brought you to this place you know yeah. it is hard when you're in the crap to to yeah. yeah to like oh my god why is this happening to me why there's nothing good coming out of this today yeah. and then maybe a month later maybe 10 years for me it was 12 years later it's like oh my god i needed that mm-hmm. i needed to go through all those horrible things to, to to really discover who i am it's almost like sometimes
1: we have to get brought to the place where there's no other option except to ask for help. <laughs> and then we actually get help and you go, why, did I, why, did, why is I so stubborn? Why did I not ask for help? like, there is zero shame in asking for help. Like I work in the realm of weight loss, but I, I very often say that's the cover story. Like, like to be truthful, like I'm like, n- n- weight loss is the proxy goal and nutrition is the cover story for the real work that we're actually going to do. Um, yeah. you know, I, I want to have like the tagline, like side effects might include weight loss, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. That's brilliant. I love that so much.
1: Yeah. It, it's, you know, I, but I meet people where they're at and they want to lose weight. I'm like, awesome. We'll start with that. And then over time, you know, as it evolves, cause it inevitably will, we're going to discover what that weight loss actually means to you, what it is you really want out of life. And, and, but it's, this is hard stuff. It is really, really, really hard hard and it's super hard doing it by yourself. So I'm like, recruit every darn person you can find on your support team. Mm. Um, every, get everyone you can on your support team because it's already hard enough to do this. And so get all the support you need and do not apologize for, for needing support and help.
0: No, you can't do it alone. Mm. You know, we have to come to the conclusion of wanting to start that comes from us, mm. like making that first decision to say, okay, there's got to be more to life than this. Let me do something. Yeah, yeah. But once you've made that decision, there's no way you can go forward by yourself. There's no way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think about like how long it took me to learn stuff
1: because I was too proud. Like it's kind of misplaced ego really, but I was too proud to ask for help because I, I thought it was weakness.
0: weakness.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and boy, when I hired a coach and like shortened the learning curve by probably 10 or 15 years, wow. you know, I was like, man, I already have struggled for long enough. Why did I not do this? Like years ago, I could have, I could have, you know, I don't, I don't mourn like lost years in a sense, but I think, boy, if I'd have, if I'd have found this coach five years earlier, I would have saved myself a lot of heartache.
0: Yeah, You know, I ask people sometimes why they don't hire a coach. And for a lot of people, it's money. Let's be mm. honest. Yep. And I'm Fair like, enough. you know what? Yes. But one thing you can't get back is your time. Mm-hmm. So if you can cut your pain in half, if you can cut it in a quarter, whatever it is, yeah. you know, the time is priceless. Time is going to go anyways. Time is going to pass anyways. Yeah. You know, if you're going to spend money on anything, spend it on yourself, spend it on that. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, your life is going to change Like when you when I talk to people like you, and it's like, okay, you see yourself before and you see yourself now. And if you could just tell people, Oh, my God, you know, like, now I want to shout it from the rooftop, how I got from here (laughs) to here. And this is a true story. This is not like a hallmark movie, you know, like, this is true, true people that have gone through stuff. Yeah. And you're, you just want to tell everybody, look, trust mm. your instinct, it's going to get better, but you gotta commit, yeah. right? And sometimes it yeah. takes money.
1: Well, so I used to have be really like hung up about money and even accepting money for what I do mm. because I didn't realize that I actually have a pretty unique skill set. So I, I call myself kind of like um I'm like an empathic engineer.
0: Love uh, it. <laughs> you know,
1: uh, because I I have a really quick thinking brain as well. And I, I can't take the credit, I got it free of charge, right? <laughs> um you know, but I, my, my brother used to hate playing board games with me. Most people hated playing trivia games and things like that. Cause my brain does work really quickly. And I just, I didn't recognize that it was unique in that sense. I just thought it was, I don't know. That's just kind of how my brain works. So it turns out I'm actually really good at, at figuring out sort of plans to help people like creating, creating, um, you know, like if somebody comes to me, my brain goes, Oh, cool. I've already calculated a way that I can help them. And I can sort of see where this path will go. And it might, not be the exact path, but to, to be able to do that, I didn't realize that that was actually a pretty unique ability. And then you add in the, 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 we call the EQ or the emotional intelligence, the ability to connect with people. It's like, wow. So I'm actually giving a lot of myself when I work with people. And when we don't put um, some kind of investment into it, we don't, there's no perception of value. And if we don't value it, we don't actually take it seriously so I had to get over this hurdle. Of, like when people pay me, it's a reflection of the value they expect to receive.
0: Mm.
1: And, and it's not to say that I, you know, I'd love to charge a million bucks a month, but I don't. <laughs>
0: not, yeah, but it's like, you, you know. this is the result you're getting. What yeah. is it worth to you, you know? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Well, yeah. That, and, and so to get over that hurdle and go, and, and, and I used to be so like afraid to invest in coaching myself. I was like, cause I was stubborn. I'm going to figure this out myself. I, I couldn't tell you like how much money I have saved because I hired somebody else to help me you know, how much money did I save just in terms of binge eating? Like that's expensive, you know,
0: it's your time too. You can't yeah. put a price on your time. Yeah. We just so, do know how long our time is here and do you yeah. want to just throw it away? You know?
1: So it's, it's, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be some sort of cliche, I don't know, sales guru or something like yeah. that, but the reality is when we put, when we put some money, cause money is a medium, cause money is just a placeholder, right? It, it in itself is just, You know, polymer notes with ink printed on them that we you know we mentally assign a value to. It's not actually worth anything. It's just a medium that if we like take to the Bank of Canada or something that we can you know. Anyways, uh, we won't get into monetary theory. (laughs) But (laughs) the point is, so I exchange my time expertise and so on um, in order to get some money, and then I take that money and then I exchange it for other goods. You know, whether it's food and housing and clothing and things like that. So I I put. I invest into something to get some money back. And then I take that money and, and you know, so it's just a placeholder. So when we, you know, I, I often remind myself, there's two things that really show my priorities and that's my calendar and my bank balance. So right. how I spend my time and how I spend my money. I, you know, I, I understand it. it's like, well, Hey, life, life's tough. I mean, you got inflation and money printing and crazy, you know, this kind of stuff, but I look at it and I track every month what we spend and I create a spreadsheet because I'm a data nerd and things like this, but I want to see like where it's going and then I can go, well, you know, I, in my mind, it's like, well, I didn't have any money for this, but it's like, look at all this money. I kind of frivolously spent over here. I look at this time that I frivolously spent over here that I don't have time thing. And it turns out, well, I actually do have time and I do, I could actually put together this money. It would just mean I would have to sacrifice certain things. And so it ident- helps me identify, well, what is really, truly important to me, I guess, you know?
0: Absolutely. We all, we all choose. We all choose our priorities. We all choose how we spend money, how we spend our time. Um, Absolutely. And we all have to put ourselves on that list. Like when you said that, I was just like, oh my God, it just kept me thinking, you know, and it's so true. How far down are are you guys on your list? Mm. You know, how, um, how much are you valuing yourself? And then as you value yourself more, you will find that you will find the time to work on yourself. You will find the money to get the help you need. You will do so many things that perhaps yeah. you never believed you could.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's a great place to be. I can say like, it feels really good to be here, you know, compared to w- w- what I used to be at. And so I really hope that people just see that it's possible. It, it's, you know, the, the hard, the hard times don't last. I mean, and, and frankly, like good, good times don't necessarily last either. It, life has an ebb and a flow to it kind of like the waves behind me, you know, and for, if anyone's watching the video, um it's life, there's an ebb and a flow to it. And, and when we kind of just make peace with that, we go okay, but yeah, you don't have to stay stuck forever. You just have to kind of like go through a tunnel of sewage <laughs> to get to the other side. I have a whole analogy around the tunnel of sewage and a, a transformation journey and what it actually looks like. But uh, we, might, we might save that for another time. But I think yeah. people can take the visual and run with it. Like maybe we think that we're going to ride a unicorn across the clouds and the rainbow bridges to get to the other side. When in reality, we're going to go through tunnel of sewage. It's going to be dark and smelly. This is the short version, dark and smelly and difficult. You know, But if we're willing to go through that and through the hard stuff, we come out the other side of transformed person.
0: All right. I got to tell you guys. So coach John is writing a book. Yeah. And, um, I can't wait when you publish that book and it's all done. Maybe yeah. you can come back and you can yeah. talk a little bit about the book. I'd love to have you back. I think your book's going to be a phenomenal and I think it's going to really resonate with people. Sound oh, good.
1: Yeah. I would love to come back and tell people about it. So, um, <laughs> awesome. you know,
0: Awesome.
1: It's a challenging undertaking, I'll say that.
0: <laughs> yes, but I'd love to hear more about it. So, John, um, I know you do a lot of travel. Yeah, yeah. Has that? Okay, so sometimes I ask my guests this question, and I'm just curious to your answer. So I'm going to ask you, what has been the biggest gift that you give to yourself that changed either the way you felt about yourself as a person? or just the trajectory of where you've gone? Like, what do you think? I mean, there's going to be a few, but what do you think Mm. was the most profound gift that you gave, like you allowed yourself to kind of do for yourself?
1: I really think it was spending the money. The coach's name was Scott, Scott Quick. Great man. (laughs) Love love the guy. I reach out to him every year. So, so spending the money to hire him. He genuinely changed my life and there's no hyperbole in that. I was on a really destructive path and I even when I hired him I was determined to show him that he couldn't fix me or help me. So for him to work with me as patiently and compassionately as he did, like entirely altered my path in life. It's altered my marriage. I'm now an amazing father to a beautiful little boy who I adore with all my heart. And I would have been a good father before I think, but I would the level of compassion, understanding that I have and love for my little boy and and watching him grow and develop like it's just I'm in a totally different place because I spent the money to hire that darn coach. And so it's like,
0: it sounds like, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, it's it's so, so because I made that investment in myself, even not believing it was going to work, (laughs) it, it, it had the effect of, you know, I've got my marriage is is stronger than ever. My being a father is like the the greatest thing ever, you know, and I make time for my little boy every day, even though it's busy running a business. Like I can hear him in the background. Hopefully I don't know if my mic will pick it up, (laughs) He's making some noise in the background, you know, but it's, it's just the greatest joy, but I wouldn't be here. And now i had I not, you know, taken that step and, and got the help. So I think that was, that's like hands down the single best thing. Um, traveling would be like probably number, number three on the list. Marrying my wife is I, marrying my wife is probably like the best thing I did. Right. <laughs> but you know, um, cause it she's it sounds- amazing.
0: <laughs> it sounds like that coach also inspired you to be a coach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He really did because he, he, you know, I'd kind of been a teacher before I'd, I'd done like some sports coaching before in my athletic days and whatnot. And he, he showed me like, you actually have a real gift for this. If you, if you wanted to go down this road and um, there was another coach who I really look up to. Um, she's, a, she's also a world-class coach and I hired her. So, so then I got hooked. Okay. I'm like, okay, now I know what it's like to hire a good coach. I'm going to hire another one. So I hired her cause I really looked up to her and and I wanted, I wanted, I wanted some of her time and to be able to pick her brain. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to have to pony up some cash and hire her. And and she was wonderful too, because, and she said to me, she said like some people, you know, they're good technicians as she called it. Like in, in the, in the diet industry, it might be like calculating macros or sets and reps and meal plans and stuff like the technical stuff. She goes, some people should just never be a coach. And then she said, there's people like you. And she's like, you just came out complete. Like you're born coach. It is, it is in your DNA and it's what you do and it's what you should do for the rest of your life. Wow. And I was like, I was like blown away. Cause this is a coach who is like world-class who's flown around the world to give talks and things like that. And, 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 and she said that about me and that was, it was actually kind of hard to receive that in one sense, but I was like, okay, I think I'm going to accept that, you know, and, and start to be okay with the fact that this is actually, I'm really good at this and I love it and I'm deeply passionate about it. And so I feel like it's really exciting that I get to, I get to pursue my passion and, and really have, you know, I I love seeing people's lives transformed. Like it's, it's, it's so gratifying. And so it's kind of a way of paying it forward. The person that helped me and changed my life inspired me. I want to, I want to do this for more people because I don't want to see people stuck and suffering the way that I was. So if I can help even one person, it's worth it.
0: I love this conversation so much. I can't even, there's so many things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm all about paying it forward and giving back. And I just so great, honestly. Um, we could talk forever, but I do want to talk to you before you go. I want to talk to you about your travel. So, yeah, what does traveling do for you? What does it do for your psyche? What does it do for your coaching? Mm. How does it help you in your life?
1: I think it just expands my mind. So, I really like coaching is really about the human experience. It's you know, yes, there's maybe some technical expertise. I have pieces of paper with my name on it say I'm educated in certain things, but really, it's about. human experience and human connection so when we travel and we go to a country where we are clearly minorities or where we don't speak the language and we feel the frustration of trying to communicate with limited tools and skills oh this is what it's like to be a beginner Uh aha because sometimes we get into our field and we become an expert and we become so fluent and so familiar with it we forget what it's like for somebody to start and so to go and be a beginner again and feel like really dumb, it's like, it's good. It's like, oh, okay, now I can. I remember the human experience of trying to learn something. Like we lived in Poland, for example, trying to learn to speak Polish. Good grief, that language is hard.
0: All I know is cześć, jak się dobrze.
1: Yeah, All I know, dobrze. Yeah
0: boyfriend, <laughs> but that's all I learned.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and so it really is like mind expanding. And then we, we learn so much about like our common humanity, like there's surface level differences, but I'm like, honestly, we're all looking for the same thing. We want to have meaningful human connections. We want to have a life where we, our needs are met and beyond just like food, clothing, shelter. We want like meaningful human connection is what really adds something to life that, you know, and so to be able to travel and, and have those experiences, you know, it, it you know, I thought I would like the best, you know, seeing really cool things, like whether it's, you know, the Eiffel Tower, which is pretty neat to see, I, I will say, or, you know, but it's the human connections that we made in our travels that really, that's what we look back the most fondly on.
0: Yeah, you're preaching to the choir here. When I, yeah. my trip to Guatemala a couple of years ago, when we started our project, I just, uh, it's so much more, like you said. The, yes, there's poverty and all these things, but you just want to bring hope to these people. Mm. You want to show them what's possible. You, you know, we can bring that to them. Mm. At least, maybe that's our way to to help. You know, they help us so much more mm. than we could ever give. But I find just the human connection and just the um, celebrating the fact that we're more the same than we are different. Even, yes. yeah even though we, it may not seem like that on the surface, you know, we all, like Mm -hmm. you said, we, we just want the same things.
1: Look, you you cut any of our skin and the same color blood comes out, you know, like it's, yeah, it's remarkable. There's, there's something about it you know, and there's so many hospitable cultures around the world. It's like when you kind of get past the initial, like I want money because you're maybe a foreigner with money, (laughs) you kind of get past that, that surface level interaction to, I want to share with you my food and my culture and the hospitality is just amazing. You know, it's, I, I was touched in so many like poor countries just by people wanting to share hospitality and, and Almost like not wanting to accept anything in return, even though it wouldn't cost much for us to sort of, you know, because I'm very fortunate to have been born in Canada. I didn't, I won the lottery, right? Like,
0: yeah, I feel so in here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's just, it does something for our heart, for our soul to, to just connect with other human beings. We become so much more compassionate and empathetic and open-minded to the struggle of the human experience. when We witness what other people go through and so much more appreciative of really all the privileges that we enjoy um, like being born in a first world country. It's amazing. You know, I don't feel guilty about it, but I feel,
0: I feel grateful. Yes. Grateful. That's a huge thing because, um, yeah, I, I, I almost think it's our responsibility. And I tell this to to people I work with all the time that turn yourself into a traveler rather than a vacationer. Okay. There Mm. is a difference you can go to a resort and you can drink and you can party and you can do whatever you want. If that's the way you like to vacation, that's the way you like to vacation, but please just keep an open mind. Yeah. yeah. Take a couple of those days, get off the resorts, help the community in some way, Mm. create your own, lead your own project, teach them skills that you have that can make their life so much easier Bring your children with you.
1: Your children
0: come back and they become different people. They become so, you know, when I left, and I've told this story so many times, but I'll be quick about it. But when I left Guatemala and I came back, uh, it was a week before the planes shut down. Two weeks back from vacation, my life's back to normal, you know, except Mm. for COVID. I became this angry, bitter person for about a month. And I'm just like, oh my God, people have been stuck in their houses complaining about being with their families. I just came from a country that puts white flags outside their doors because they haven't eaten in days. Where kids that I met have dengue fever now have to worry about corona, and all they want to do is be at home with their families. And you come back and you hear about the states and, and, you know, in Canada and all these places, um, Australia, all these wealthy countries and they're, oh my God, I've got to be stuck with my family at home. And honestly, I just had this anger inside of me, like I had never had before. And I started to appreciate so many things. I went through this phase where I just got rid of all this stuff. I'm like, why do I have all this stuff? Right. Yeah. You know, and I think we have a responsibility for all of us to just to do that, to take the time and discover other places with your family and teach your children about, about the world outside of their city. You know, it's so, so important. Yeah. 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 That was my rant. I'm sorry. I'm so passionate about the subject.
1: No, it's obviously left a real impact on you. And and that's a really, that's a beautiful thing. And so, you know, and I'll just say, know coming back to canada after three years of traveling was a bit of reverse culture shock because we came back changed people from all the experiences we'd had good and bad and then a lot of people other than getting three years older really hadn't changed maybe same job same and, and so on and so and it's not their fault but it's just we all of a sudden had totally different life perspectives and there's so there's something about travel that it just changes you in a way that and it's not to say it's i'm better than them or anything but it just you can't help but grow from those kinds of experiences. And, you know, I thought about like when we went to Cuba and we paid five bucks for the for the lady to take us off the resort to do exactly that. And we paid another five bucks for some guy with a donkey cart to drive us around this little town. And, and my Spanish was pretty bad, but I it was functional. And, you know, like it was worth it. And what an experience, you know? And uh, it, it must have done something for them too.
0: Oh, it does wonders. And three years, wow, it's almost like you come, I can't imagine, because I haven't been away for, you know, more yeah, than a yeah. time, but it's almost like time, okay, so time usually goes so fast, but I find when you're living like that, and you're living in the moment, and you're appreciating, and you're learning, time slows down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and it's almost like, you need to do that, because life goes so fast, like, appreciate yeah. And and yeah, it's not your fault that that people have remained stagnant and you've moved on and learned other things. But I'm so glad that you come back and you have these conversations so that you can still, you know, whether you're having dinner with someone and you're telling them about your experiences, you're still sharing that. And I think in what you do and when I do with podcasts as well those stories will live on forever. And I think yeah. um, I'm hoping it's gonna like really inspire people to maybe get out of their comfort zone and, and do that. And it doesn't have to cost yeah. a lot of money, you can raise the money. So yeah. yeah, we all need a little, you know, and it's so good for the soul, right?
1: It is it is. And we can we can do it locally, even if you don't have the opportunity to travel, like I'm, I'm sure that we, even in our in, in my own city, I can find areas of need. And so, mm-hmm. it, you know, maybe you don't have the opportunity or the you know the resources at this point in time to travel somewhere but you know uh like doing something kind for someone pays at least two people yes and it creates a there's a potential for a ripple effect and so you know i i one of the things i do is i create content for another company and and i always finish like the live streams that i do with just encouraging people to do something generous or kind and pay themselves and 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 help another person and potentially because there's a lot of there's a lot of you know, challenging things happening in the world today that we have no control over. And can, as one person, it can just feel like really discouraging. Like, what on earth can I do with all these major problems? And so you can do something kind for somebody, you know, that's something you can do. So we think about what, what's outside of my control, a whole lot of stuff, wars, economy, weather, like disasters, like this is all out of my control. But what, what's in my little, in my little world, what can I control? Well, I can do something kind for someone.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. Or should I call you coach John? Sorry.
1: About <laughs> both, both work, you know, oh,
0: um, where yeah. can people, where can people find you? Oh my God. I know my listeners are going to want to connect. With you more. Where
1: can we <laughs> uh, uh, Freedom nutrition coach.com is my website, which is occasionally neglected, but you can, you can find me there. <laughs> it's just, I really would like to update some of the messaging to more convey more accurately the work that I do now and how it's even grown and evolved from the time that I started freedom nutrition coaching. Um, you can find between the before and after. I would love for people to have a listen to that. I, I just learned recently that I've made it in the top 10% of podcast. And I was like, Amazing. whoa, Yay. this is really cool. I, I I went into it with no expectations. So it feels really it feels really cool to to um to have done that. Um and then I guess you could just look me up on social media. Um yeah. Uh I was going to throw one out but you know what? Let's keep it simple. FreedomNutritionCoach.com. If you look up Jonathan McLernan, you'll probably find me. There's not too many of us out there with that name. And so mm-hmm. I'm not too hard to find. If you send me an email, you know, you, you, the, the guy that Nellie has been talking to is the guy that you're going to talk to as well. I think I, I, who I am is who I am. I don't, I don't have any pretense anymore, so.
0: And I can see that. I mean, there's no question for sure. And, you know, I've got to put it out there. If you guys are enjoying the show and you are enjoying the topic of, Jonathan's show, it helps podcasters so much if you, you know, download, subscribe, rate, and review. I have never asked for that on this show live. It's in the part of my, you know, my recorded section of of the show. (laughs) But honestly, you know, it's not because of the numbers. We don't care about the numbers, we care about the people behind them. And we just want our our messages to reach more people because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, some things are said on the show that can really help people.
1: So, you know, share it
0: with your friends and listen to a show and give them a good rating and
1: all that (laughs) great review. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you want, if you want to see like the video editions of the show, um, I I do my broadcast live on my YouTube channel, which is freedom nutrition coaching, and you'll see them there. I actually have a Twitch stream as well, but I have like one person from Twitch when I'm streaming. (laughs) It's great. Uh, Freedom nutrition coach. If you happen to be on Twitch. Um, but yeah, I broadcast to like Facebook, LinkedIn, which again, freedom, of nutrition, coaching, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. So if anybody wants to like listen to the show live in real time, um, if you happen to be lucky enough to catch it, cause it's not at a set time, uh, you can actually participate and even ask questions for the guests and things like that and be a part of the show. So
0: it's amazing. And I'm going to put all the links anyways. And honestly, um, I'm inviting you back when you have your book yes, ready yes. to go. I would love to have a conversation about your book.
1: Well, I hired, a, I hired a writing coach actually.
0: Excellent.
1: Yeah. I was like, I, I I'm such a fan of coaching. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, let's make this, let's make this process easier. I'm hiring a coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I know. I, I've got some too. And they just, they open up your mind to what's possible mm-hmm. because, you know, when you ask your friends and your family or other people in the space, they didn't necessarily, they all have their influences, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't act, I don't know. Sometimes they'll think too much like you. And then you're like, well, that's not really helping. You kind of need somebody. I don't know with the impartial
1: third party who is not emotionally invested.
0: Yes. Perfectly said. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Yes. So So, great
0: to, yeah. So great to meet you. Is there anything you want to end with something we didn't talk about that you,
1: I, I would just say this, um, compassionate awareness is where we create change. And so it's very important that we include the element of compassion. Now, here's why. Compassion is not a get out of jail free card. What it is, is it allows us to see ourselves as we are without the judgment. So it gives us the space to bring our struggles into the light. And in that space of awareness with compassion, we can really truly create change. And so if you can learn to show yourself some compassion and create awareness around your behaviors, you can really, really create amazing change in your life.
0: Very well said. I love it. And I'm hoping your book is about compassion.
1: It is, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, uh, I'll, I'll save the title as of yet yes. because it's not, it's not a finalized title, but yes, uh, it probably will have the word compassion in the title.
0: Awesome, so great to meet you. Thank you so much, Jonathan, it was great. I loved our conversation so much. Thank you, it, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.